Great to have you with us. Another edition of Death Taxes and Duval. Rick Ballou alongside Hayes Carline. The Jaguars draft is in 13 selections. That was the most in the NFL. They've also added 10 rookie undrafted free agents, and we'll get our first opportunity to see them. That'll be coming up on Friday. First things first, though, Hayes, uh, let's say hello to our sponsor. Yeah, appreciate John Spicklemeyer. Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. Give him a call. Save some money on your car insurance, or at least give John the chance to do it. He may look at your policy and say, I can't beat it. Uh, but trust me when I tell you, he has saved me hundreds of dollars, including just a, a few weeks ago uh, when my policy was was set to renew. Uh, so give him a call, 471 7155 and, uh, and make sure that you're paying what you should be paying for your car insurance. Again, Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. Give John a call, 471-7155. And Rick, yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of the draft, uh, you know, basically, here, here's where I am with it. It wasn't the, the walk-off home run. And obviously, you know, I've talked a lot about it since. You've talked a lot about it on Into the Night. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't want to, you know, dwell on it, but I'll say this in terms of just a, a quick thought from me on it. You basically got three players for free. You got Tyler Lacey for free. You got uh, Antonio Johnson for free. And you got the fullback Parrish for free because those were all picks that they acquired in moving back uh, in, in, in round one. Uh, and then they moved back even uh, again in round two. So, I mean, you got 13 picks. If four of them end up being, you know, one's a star, another is a, you know, another two or, or, or starters that most teams would like to have, and then you get another role player in there, that's a pretty good draft. I mean, if you've got seven picks and four hit, that's a, a percentage that most teams are not going to hit very often. I think the Jaguars, it wasn't the sizzle. It wasn't, oh my God, they traded up on night two to get, you know, a couple guys that really were viewed as, as home run selections. Their positional choices were a little curious uh, in, in terms of no nickel uh, early on, no edge player early on. But look, at the end of the day, if you draft 13 players, you've provided your roster a lot of inexpensive talent for four-year contracts. And you know, I did think they got it right with Anton Harrison. So uh, overall, I was pleased with it. Uh, I think anytime you, you start a draft with nine selections and you end up with 13 picks, you've done a pretty good job. Yeah, I absolutely love the top pick. And, you know, as you pointed out, they traded down twice, got their guy, and that's exactly what they needed. And, um, you know, where I'm at now, the Jaguars need to draft, <laughs> excuse me, an offensive lineman uh, fairly early every year uh, to protect the best player on your football team in Trevor Lawrence. So I love that pick. There was a lot of criticism with their next three, you know, getting a tight end at 30, then getting a running back, perhaps a little bit of overkill. Would Tank Bigsby in the third round? Ventrell Miller, who I, I just love. I mean, every Gator game I watch, which is every game they play, uh, the, all the guy did was make plays, you know, I, and I hear that he's undersized and he, he's a guy who's brittle and he, he's not a great athlete. Uh, to me, he's a, he's a very good football player. But, you know, I do understand some of those criticisms. As much as I was uh, really hollering about an offensive lineman, I, I did think on day two, that they would add a tight end, although I didn't think his name would be Brenton Strange. I also thought for sure that that is where a corner would have come into play, and it did not. I was also hoping to get a guy off the edge, and uh, obviously that came in a little bit later on in the fifth round with a guy who, once again, is is an undersized uh, pass rusher. A guy that will probably be also an outside linebacker here 
in this 3-4 scheme. So am I nitpicking a little bit? Perhaps. Uh, the other thing that really stuck out for me, Hayes, is that when he acquired all this talent, and, and Trent Baalke certainly did try, uh, he was unable to make a Saturday trade. You know, he had 10 picks on that Saturday, and I think we all agreed one of two things. Either he's going to give up, you know, two or three of those picks, move up to get a guy he truly does want, or can he send some of those draft picks to another team who has a, a high-priced guy maybe with one year left on his deal or two years left on his deal that a salary cap-strapped team is just looking to pedal. So those would be the, you know, the, those would be the two criticisms for me. But the flip side is now all of a sudden we're going to get an opportunity to watch these guys work Friday and Saturday. And I think it's going to be a really intriguing 53-man roster to – to look at a guy like an Eric Hallett and say, all right, you know, is this the end now for uh, Thomas, you know, the kid out of uh, the kid out of Auburn, or is this the end now for Chris Claybrooks, Daniel Thomas, Chris Claybrooks, a guy that will cost you a million bucks a year, but very little dead cap money to get by to, would you be better off paying a rookie half that amount? So you can save, $500,000, $500,000, you add that up, that's a million, maybe a million and a half. Let's say if Shaq Quarterman was a part of it, and I'm just throwing out names here. But all of a sudden, you get to the bottom of the roster. Is that what is best for this team to bring in some rookies for half the price? So then maybe that money can be used. They got about $10 million now to go out and get an edge guy in free agency and maybe get a veteran corner in free agency. These are going to be interesting decisions that Trent Baalke and the Jaguars are going to have to make. Yeah, I like I like the thought you had on the potential trading for a veteran because I do think they're now really well positioned to do that uh, in the by the deadline coming up in the regular season. And obviously, this is months out, but this is what we do. Uh, we try to look ahead as best as possible. Uh, you know, they did it in 2017 with Marcel Darius, uh, and I think that was a good move. Uh, they have a projected ten picks. In the 24 draft, that's even with the Ridley trade. Now, you're probably losing your second rounder, so you're not going to have that, but you're going to have two third rounders because Jawan Taylor's going to net you a third round comp pick and uh, and 10 overall uh, you know, going in because they were able to add, uh, you mentioned, they were able to trade back and, and pick up a, a 24 pick from the Saints. Uh, I think they made that deal on, on day three, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, so you, you, if you're in a position where you just drafted 13 players and you've got 10 picks coming up in the in the 24 draft. Oh yeah, if you can get a veteran, I think for, you know, that comp pick third or a fourth rounder, you can get a good veteran uh from a team that's disappointing and and wants to shed some salary uh and pick up some draft capital. So, while it didn't happen in the draft weekend, I absolutely think it could happen uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline w- when the regular season is underway, particularly if the Jaguars are uh, leading the division like we expect them to do. Um, you know, so I do think that that's a, a position of strength that the, uh, that the team is in. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Rick, uh, in regards to Ventrell Miller, and I get it, none of these teams like to say we, we run a 3-4 or we run a 4-3. I mean, the, the common answer is, well, we're multiple. We do a little bit of everything. But I am curious if they've tipped their hand a little bit by reaching for Ventrell Miller. Because I, I love him, too, as a player. He's a warrior. But I don't think anybody expected him to go in the fourth round. 
Uh, so obviously he was a key piece for whatever the Jaguars are building towards. And I don't think that key piece is necessarily, well, just beat out Shaq Quarterman because he's entering his rookie deal and you're the new Shaq Quarterman and you're a, a big special teams player and, uh, and nothing more. I'm curious and I'm curious to get your thoughts. Do you think that is an indication that they might be going to more of a 4-3 look where Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are defensive ends and you've got Devin Lloyd, Aluakon, and Muma on the field at the same time and then Miller might be the backup at two of those spots, if not all three? Boy, I hope so. I'd love it. I just think overall they have the better personnel for that style of defense. Now, you know, obviously Mike Caldwell and Doug Peterson and company, they know the game better than I do. That's why they're the coaches. But it, it just appears that this football team would be better under that particular scenario. And I, I think they drafted Ventral Miller believing this guy's going to be, you know, a major contributor. Aloakon's led the league in tackles a couple of years in a row. But, you know, all of a sudden that salary structure uh, continues to grow. Could it be a deal where this is it for him? I, I would tend to say no. I, I got to believe he's going to be on this team for at least the 2024 season. And then you look at young guys like Lloyd and you look at Muma uh, and now you have uh, Ventrell to it, uh, Ventrell Miller, all of a sudden, you know, you've got yourself some talented linebackers and, you know, we don't know about Jordan Smith. We just spent a moment on Yasir Abdullah, who once again is undersized. So it, it feels like they're kind of trying to force something here with the pass rush. And again, the Jaguars were third in pressures. They were just terrible with sacks, um, you know, Trey, you got Caleb on chase on back for another year. That's been a major disappointment. So it's going to be intriguing. We won't learn anything. I, I think, you know, Friday and Saturday, because it's only going to be rookies, but, you know, perhaps something will happen when we get an opportunity to talk with uh, several coaches and, and, and members of the front office that, that maybe something will come forward, but, it's interesting, Hayes, because we talked about it all off season, and I guess this still is the off season. But there's never been any clarification. There's never been any, yeah, that's a great idea. We're, we're thinking about running more of that style of defense um, that is yet to be really, uh, you know, acknowledged by the Jaguars brass. Yeah, and Chase Sun's really interesting as well because I'm in full agreement. I, I think it's hard to find somebody who isn't that uh, follows or, or covers the team. They've got to sign a veteran edge rusher. And you are becoming a little bit of a numbers game when you look at that 53. Uh, right now, I think if, if they remain in the, in the same structure that they've been, I think at outside linebacker, obviously, you've got uh, Devin Lloyd uh, or it, it – uh, an outside linebacker, you've got Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Abdullah, and Chason. Well, if you're going to sign another guy, and I think you're going to, does that push Chason out? Uh, now, you have to make sure that Abdullah can walk and chew gum at the same time. I understand that. And, you know, that'll start, we'll start seeing that this weekend. But if they like what they see in Abdullah, I'm curious if, and obviously they like him, but if they like him once he actually is here and they can coach him, I. Uh, if Chason is expendable, uh, because if you cut Chason, you do save $2.4 million, which is a hell of a discount on a veteran mm -hmm. edge rusher when you're somewhat up against the cap. Uh, I'm curious if if they sign the veteran edge rusher, if Chason will then immediately be released. I, I guess there's a chance he could be traded for a conditional seventh somewhere. Uh, but But my guess is... 
is he released? But the bottom line is, if they sign a veteran edge rusher, I'm curious if they move on from Chase on, because you just got a two, basically two and a half million dollar discount on the veteran edge rusher you just signed. Yeah, it's interesting. Two and a half guaranteed. The cap numbers uh, four point two with with uh, with really zero cap savings. So you know, as far as what the Jaguars could do there. Uh, it makes perfect sense. If they, if they believe the guy can help them, yeah, keep him around. If not, you go in a different direction. I, I've always tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I've always wanted to see this man uh, flourish because he, he's a real good guy. If you talk to them, I mean, he's really infectious. I, if he was a great player, I think he'd have a huge following because he's a very likable individual. But yeah. it just hasn't worked out here. No. And, you know, I, th- there's no belief that all of a sudden the light's just going to to go on for him. Um, this is a guy that I think we'll see his snap count diminish throughout the course of the year. He'll make a big play maybe once every, you know, four games or something along those lines. But this was not a, you know, this was not a Doug Peterson uh, pick. Trent Bulky, you know, this, this was Dave Caldwell's man, so... Yeah, I'd be really surprised. Right now, I got him absolutely on the outside looking in. He's going to have to overperform in order to make this roster as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I agree. And again, I I think they've got to sign a veteran edge rusher. I think it's held up a little bit. First off, I think they wanted to see what came out of the draft. And now we know, and it's, it's, you know, Yasir Abdullah is their big edge player. So obviously a late round pick. You're probably not expecting, you know, much there uh, in year one. I, I think as you look at it now... The comp pick formula is expired, so the Jaguars don't have to worry about uh, risking, you know, that Jawan Taylor, that Arden Key comp pick uh, being reduced in value. Is is the league weighs the you know what you got and what you lost, so you don't have to worry about that. the The issue I think they're probably going to run into now is you're going to have to sign a guy who, like Arden Key, knew he wasn't going to start here, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's tricky because a lot of the guys that are still out there, I mean, they're they're alpha males when it comes to you know their NFL career. I mean, these are guys that have performed either in the playoffs. Is you know Frank Clark? They've been number one overall picks in Clowney. Uh, their sack numbers are very high, and a player like Ngakwe. So now it gets tricky because you you're not signing a guy to be a starter here. Uh, Trayvon Walker's a starter on one side, and Josh Allen's a starter on the other side, and that's just the way it is. Uh, I I don't think I don't think there's a veteran out there that's going to come in and, and challenge that. But I, I think when you look at it, you've got to now find a deal with somebody who is willing to come in knowing that if there isn't injuries at the position, you know, they're still playing a lot, but they're playing more a 40% role of snaps, not a 65% role of snaps. Yeah, and that's fair. And the, and, the, and the good news is this, every day that goes by, that market goes down just a tiny bit more. And there's also quite a few of them out there. I mean, there's yeah. legitimately six or seven guys, you know, you can add Leonard Floyd to it, Jadavian right. Clowney uh, to it, and Houston to it. It just goes on and on and on. I think it comes down to simply this, and everyone's different. What's important to the player? Is it all about cash? I mean, at this point in their careers, is it I'm going, whether it's Green Bay, Buffalo, or Jacksonville, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know it's, a, it's probably a one-year deal, possibly a two-year deal. And it's the it's about a money grab, which if that's the case, it's it's hard to blame them. It's their livelihood, but maybe it's the other side where it's all right. Well, no local, you know, no no, no state tax. That team's on the come. Everyone's talking about how they enjoy playing 
for this organization and this coaching staff. You got an unbelievable offense. At least it looks that way right now on paper. Maybe there's a chance. They should be able to win the AFC South. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Maybe one of these veteran players is thinking, I've got a real legitimate shot to play some January football here. And if I put up and have some big numbers and I'm on that small stage in January, those who believe that, you know, this is it, and it was a one-year deal, it almost becomes a show-me year, kind of like Arden Key from a year ago, where you can double your uh, overall income uh, the following season. So I imagine a lot of conversations with their agents. And again, it's all different. Uh, unfortunately, in this league, in a lot of instances, going to a place where they believe that they can win is secondary for them. It's about who will pay me the most amount of money. Yeah. What What's your sense of urgency at nickel corner to be active in the veteran in the free agent market there? I think they got to get one too. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few of those guys out there. You know, the Eli Apples and uh, you know Ronald Darby coming off an injury. Uh, you know, there's there's five or six veteran. I I don't feel, you know, listen, is nothing personal, but I just that that whole slot situation to me is is really problematic. I I thought for sure that they would move on uh, from Herndon, and and I guess in some aspects. You could make the case that if it was a bad camp, he could be let go. But I, I think you'd agree that, you know, once they get out of their base and they go to nickel defense, if they were having a game this Sunday, Trey Herndon would be your starting uh, nickel. And to me, they absolutely need an upgrade there. Now, you got some youngsters in this whole Antonio Johnson situation to me is, is very intriguing. Uh, we know that he played the majority of his snaps uh, at, uh, at Oklahoma or excuse me, at Texas A&M as a, uh, as a safety, um, or excuse me, in the slot, but he didn't play man coverage. So, you know, you'll be asking him to do something uh, that is totally different. He's kind of got that in-the-box uh, safety type of, uh, of look about him that could almost be like a fourth linebacker for you. But I've, I've heard a little bit of that this past week in Jacksonville. I'll just plug in the fifth-round pick, Antonio Johnson, in the slot, well, it's going to be a totally different defensive scheme for him. And I just don't think, Hayes, you can look at a fifth rounder and expect him to be a major contributor or, dare I say, a difference maker in the month of September. I mean, you can't do that with a fifth round pick. Well, what I'm curious about with that, because Balky was very, uh, was very, uh, emphasized that he believes Antonio Johnson is a safety and that he was not out. He, yet while he played a lot of slot, it was not uh, in a lot of coverage, and he's not sure if, if that'll work at this level for him, was basically the essence of, of what he said post-draft. But what I think is interesting is I think defensively you're almost starting to get a little bit into the world of baseball where there's going to become such specialization in positions and I'm curious if the Jaguars are, are, are starting to move to that. And obviously, they don't want to say that. They're not going to announce a press release and say, this is where we think the game is going, and this is how we're going to adjust positionally. But what I think is interesting about Antonio Johnson, and, and I'm wondering if they're showing a little bit of, of – I'm reading the tea leaves here a little bit, um, particularly after Balky was so adamant about, no, he's a safety, he's not a nickel corner. So they went big safety a lot last year, and it was effective. Uh, they went with the three-safety look where uh, Wingard came in and played, and, and he made one of the biggest plays of the year against the Ravens to force the fumble. Uh, if, if they don't win that game, none of this ever happens. They, they, they don't catch the Titans. Um, 
I'm curious if we're seeing some specialization at that position where you're going to see them want to go with that big safety more. Because again, you play as of now, Derrick Henry twice, Jonathan Taylor twice, Damian Pierce twice, you play Lamar Jackson, and you play Josh Allen. Now, I don't have the list of opponents in front of me. There may be more that would stand out there. But just off the top of my head, I can give you eight games where you either have to worry about a really good running back or you've got to worry about a quarterback that on third and eight can absolutely take off. And you probably want a little bit more of a physical player in that nickel corner spot than a cover guy. And I I am curious if Antonio Johnson will play in the nickel a lot, but as a nickel safety. If going to that big safety look, depending on the opponent, is something that we could see a lot this fall. What do you think about that? Well, it's a really interesting point, and, and I've actually thought a lot about this. I mean, you just go back to the New York game. They, they really didn't have a way to slow down Daniel Jones, and, and that was disappointing. Um, I, I used to really look at the AFC South exactly the way that you just described it, with those three backs that, you know, you got to defend the run in this division. It's the only division in the NFL where you probably have to. But in my mind, things have changed a little bit. I, I think Jacksonville – is actually going to get out and get leads this year. So for the first time in a very, very long time, these teams are going to be forced to become somewhat one-dimensional, especially in the, in the second half, and they're going to be forced to pass. So my opinion is the pass defense right now is more important than the run defense. However, once you get to big-time football against really good teams and, and – you get into January football, yes, there are outstanding quarterbacks around the league, but we also do know that, you know, a, a, balanced, effect, you know, a balanced effect offensively, even if it's 60 65% pass and only 35% run, you still need to do a solid job against playoff teams who are also able to run the football. So I almost think early on in maybe the first dozen or so games, uh, defending the pass is going to be more important for the reason I just gave you. I finally expect the Jaguars to have leads. But once you take on better opponents and you play better football, um, once the playoff begins or the playoffs begin, you're going to have to have a more balanced attack. So I think it makes sense for situational football. And, you know, you usually don't talk about situational run defense unless it's adding another mammoth body on the defensive line, the interior defensive line. But that's not the case with what we're talking about now. We're we're talking about athletic outside linebackers and safeties and, you know, guys like um, uh, Antonio Johnson and guys like Abdullah, who, again, even though he's undersized, uh, did some nice things uh, at Louisville, not only rushing the passer, but at times being able to hold his own against the run. So I don't know, maybe wishful thinking. On my part, and and maybe I've given this perhaps just a little bit too much time, but I actually see that working that way this year for the Jazz. Yeah, yeah, no such thing as too much time. We uh, this is what we love to do is break the the nuances of of all this down uh, from the top all the way down to the bottom of this organization. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing where they. uh, where they go, um, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited about it. I want to thank John Spicklemeyer as we uh, wrap up here. Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency, 471-7155. Give John a call. Make sure you're not spending too much on your car insurance, something that we all have to have. I can tell you he has saved me hundreds of dollars. 
I, I don't know how uh, plainly else I can say that to you. He has saved me hundreds of dollars. So give him a call, 471-7155, Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency, particularly if you haven't really updated your policy in, in a long time. Uh, there's a really good chance you're paying way too much for your car insurance. But uh, but anyway, Rick, I'm excited, man. Rookie mini camp on Friday. Uh, so uh, we'll be out there. We're certainly looking forward to, to getting our first glimpses of uh, this this glut of a draft class. And uh, it should be a lot of fun as we start to make some uh, early observations about this group. Yeah, you won't get a, a tremendous feel for the you know the guys in the ditch, but at least the skill position guys, you'll you'll get an opportunity to see how they move. Uh, you know, Tank Bigsby and and Brenton Strange and a couple of those defensive backs, including the safety Antonio Johnson that we talked about, and the one signed player. You know, that's uh, Parker Washington, who they end up getting uh, in the uh, what sixth round. Yeah. Obviously, is a de- developmental player this year. No pressure on him, but hopefully a guy there that will learn the offense and get better, and maybe you can really start to lean on him as early as 2024. So, yeah, it's going to be a blast. We'll be out there Friday and Saturday. So the next time we do death taxes uh, or death taxes in Duval, we'll have a full report on the Jaguars rookie mini camp. Hayes, how do listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, please reach out on Twitter at Hayes Carlion. What about you, Rick? You can get me, Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, at 1010XL on Twitter. Have a great week, Hayes. See you out at practice Friday and Saturday for your listeners as well. Uh, Please comment on anything you just heard us talk about, and we will get to you soon on another edition of Death Taxes and Duval.